Hi, this is Ellie Kushner, and you're listening to Dance Well Podcast. Today we're talking about motivation, and I'm eager to talk about this here because it's a concern I'm hearing about from a number of dancers right now. In the midst of this pandemic, dancers globally are faced with very unfamiliar training practices and uncertain futures. Many dancers are still taking class on Zoom. Some are able to be in the studio, but are confined to small squares of space. And for most, a fulfilling performance experience is currently a far off dream. For many, it's hard to connect with their passion and remember why they're dancing. So how can dancers stay motivated under these stressful and restrictive circumstances? And while this is a particularly challenging time, it can be hard even in the best of times to stay motivated to train and practice and take care of yourself day in and day out at the highest level as dancers often feel they must. So to tackle this issue, we invited on Jess Spinner, who was recommended to us by a number of listeners. Jess Spinner studied dance at the School of the Iglewski Ballet on Long Island in New York. After high school, she studied dance and arts administration at Butler University. Upon graduation, she danced with the Louisville Ballet, then freelanced in the Boston area when her career ended partly because of an injury and partly because she says she never worked through her disordered relationship with food and her body. So ultimately in 2013, she became a health coach through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And in 2020, she attained a precision nutrition certificate with a focus on sports nutrition. Jess works with dancers from top companies and aspiring dancers from around the world through her individual coaching and group programs from The Whole Dancer, her company, which has been featured in various publications, including Dance Magazine. All right, let's go. Here it is, episode 79, Motivation. Buckle your seatbelts. On this episode, nutrition, life coach, dance and performance, psychological development. And today, you are in for Hi. Hello. This is Ellie Kushner. And this is Marissa Schaefer from Dance Well Podcast. Dance Well Podcast. Hi, Jess. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be a part of the Dance Well Podcast. Well, we're delighted to have you. Um, Let's start by sort of describing the lens that we're going to be using for this conversation. Um, Could you just explain a little bit about your background and the work that you're currently doing with dancers? Sure. So I, you know, I, I went to college for dance. I studied dance and arts administration at Butler University in Indiana. And that was sort of a, you know, a compromise with my mother where I would have liked to just dive right into being a professional, even though looking back, I know I wasn't ready for that. But she was like, you can keep dancing, but I think you have to go to college. So I did. And, you know, at the time, I was still, like I said, very focused on performing and and exploring that route. So after college, I ended up at Louisville Ballet and danced there. And then following that, I went and freelanced in the Boston area. And while I was there, I, I dealt with injuries and I dealt with some mental health struggles, you know, undiagnosed. It was 
it's I feel like only now becoming something people are really speaking about quite openly. And so I was just sort of feeling lost and and also kind of done with dance, but that was like a really hard decision to make because I was defining myself as many dancers do, just like I'm just a dancer. I don't know what else I could possibly be. But while I was in the midst of that, I was also working at Whole Foods as a healthy eating specialist, which was an interesting experience and one that sort of put me on the direction that I went next, where I studied to be a holistic health coach through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And from that, those studies, I, I really didn't want to work with dancers initially because I, I was kind of afraid of getting back into that world. But ultimately, I decided that, you know, that was really where my connection was. Those were the people. Those were my people. You know, those were the people that I understood. So uh, finally, in 2015, I started working with dancers and, you know, I help aspiring professional and professional dancers to really come to a place of peace with food and their bodies and within that scope to reach body goals which we always frame not around aesthetics but rather around you know performance and how you want to feel and how you know your food and mentality around food and your body is going to really impact those things so that's where I'm at with my work with dancers. And within that, you know, as we're going to discuss today, the motivation piece is huge. Great. Um, we have had quite a few coaches on Dancehall Podcast. And um, Jess, you came recommended to us by a number of people. I know you've had a really positive influence on so many people. And I just want to say, that I've really learned a lot more about um, the discipline of, of coaching um, over the past mm. few years. And I just think it's so essential. Um, mental health care is really hard to access, especially here in the U.S. And there's many right. hurdles to care. And um, same with nutrition. It can be um, difficult to find someone who can, you know, fit your needs and, and fit into your time and budget. And I just think I'm I'm really grateful for all of you who are doing coaching and sort of helping people um, with these non-clinical issues that really um, need support and attention from from an outside expert. Right. And I mean, I'm thrilled as well to see more coaches, partly because I know how important it is that you feel a connection to whomever you're working with. And I just think that, you know, I'm not going to connect with everyone, so, <laughs> nor nor do I have time to. So I think it's great that there are, you know, different coaches with different focuses as well, uh, so that, you know, dancers can really find someone who speaks to them and who they feel, again, like I said, connected with. So let's talk about motivation. And part of the reason that I've asked you to speak about this is that um, I know a lot of dancers here in 2020, um, you know, throughout the COVID pandemic have really been struggling to stay motivated. That's something I've heard from students and professionals alike. So we will be talking about this moment in time. Um, mm -hmm. But let's start by just talking more generally about your experience working with dancers and, and how motivation has come up. You just sort of indicated um that that is, is an omnipresent concern. So do you want to um, just sort of start with an overview? 
Yeah, I feel like most often pre-COVID, the the motivation piece could come up oftentimes as a form of like self-sabotage where, you know, auditions or castings are approaching and suddenly the dancer is having a hard time sort of sticking to well-established healthy habits or routines. And, you know, this is usually done to have like a bigger reason beyond technique or the things they're doing in the studio, why they may or may not, you know, get the job or the role. And I think that when we get lost in, you know, it, it feeling like I can't move myself forward, it's easy to see this as a reason why things are not going the way you would like them to. Hmm. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, when when dancers, you know, dancers are some of the most motivated people out there. And part of that is this, these schedules and routines that we've created around going to class and, you know, your cross training and the things that you do every single day that are meant to move you in the direction of your goals. And I think that when we've got something big coming up, like I said, like an audition or something like that, we'll kind of see the other things that surround those um, those established, you know, class times and, and cross training routines sort of like fall apart a little bit. And then that can impact the way dancers are showing up in their work. And then, as I said, it, it can lead to having a reason outside of your technique possibly that you're not getting the job or you're not getting the role. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and when you mentioned auditions and, um, like large stressful events on the horizon, are there other like environments or circumstances that can diminish motivation, um, or, you know, wreak havoc on motivation? I think that when dancers have teachers who are particularly or who who don't necessarily speak to the kind of support that that particular dancer needs, you know, I think there are some people who, I mean, I, I know that studies show that there's really not that many people who thrive in super stressful or pressure filled situations, but there are some. But there are plenty of dancers who are in situations with teachers where they're not being supported in positive ways. And that just leads to feeling feelings, you know, like lessening feelings of self self-worth and uh, just, I mean, the added stress of that uh, creates a situation where it's hard to pick yourself back up when someone's kind of been beating you down and and find the reasons why you're doing the work. Um, and then of course, in the coronavirus situation, when dancers are not feeling connected to one another mm-hmm. and, and not feeling super connected to th- their goals and their pursuits because they're you know, dancing and much less than ideal spaces in many situations. 
and and they are really feeling like the only person who's motivating themselves. You know, when you don't have a teacher in front of you, it's such a different experience than when you're in a studio with a teacher and other dancers and all of that. So I think that, you know, being alone in a space can really bring bring them down as we've seen over the, you know, last number of months. Yeah. The um yeah, being alone in a space brings out all kinds of things. Um Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly we I've been hearing this a lot that the lack of, you know, the absence of a social component to dance is really yeah. presenting. Um is problematic how does how does lack of motivation usually show up like when you speak about these dancers who have an upcoming audition and they're maybe suddenly withdrawing from their healthy habits um do they say oh I don't feel motivated or do they often find that they can't really put their finger on what the issue is I think a lot of times they can't quite put their finger on it uh Sometimes it is just there's sort of, you know, they'll create busyness with other things. And then, you know, some of the things they really should be focused on are they become, suddenly become things they don't quite, they don't feel like they have time for anymore. Mm. And, uh, you know, even right now, some of the dancers I'm working with are looking forward to, you know, auditions and stuff in the new year. And they are not all, you know, some of them are having a really hard time sort of staying on track with the plan we've set forth as far as like, you know, just researching and getting uh, these videos that everyone has to do now ready and things like that. Uh, And so it has to, it becomes a conversation of, you know, okay, like why is, is this something you feel like you can't make time for right now? What else is taking the place of it? And oftentimes, like I said, it's it's not things that are super important that they're now focusing on. And so we have to bring the, the attention back to the goals. Uh, you know, something I also experience sometimes with clients is when they're not in a place where they're feeling super motivated or like they can stay on track, they might, you know, cancel sessions at the last minute or just like send me an email and be like, I don't, I don't know if I can talk tonight, you know, like those kinds of things can come up as well. Yep. Um, and then of course there is like lack of motivation, um, can be really extreme and symptomatic of other more clinical issues. So for you as a practitioner, like, are there any red or yellow flag surrounding this topic that sort of um, inspire you to refer someone to a medical professional or a psychologist or psychiatrist? Yeah, I think that when people, I think that like feeling, not quite feeling motivated on its own, it's usually something that we can work through. And like I said, it's oftentimes just like, connected to maybe fear of upcoming auditions or worry about upcoming casting and things like that. But I think that when it's bigger, there's usually other things like withdrawing from other activities they're usually taking part in or excited about or not quite communicating in the same ways that they normally would. Uh, For dancers, oftentimes like 
stress around motivation that's become something bigger can have an impact on their approach to food quite significantly, whether that means they're starting to restrict or binge or, you know, go back. So for some of them, that could be a regression back to habits around food or, you know, issues around food that have been more serious in the past. And so, yeah, there's there's oftentimes things like that, that it's clear other uh, support is needed. Great. So now that we've sort of um, established how it presents, let's talk about how to fix it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when a dancer isn't feeling engaged with their daily work or training, how do you help them reignite that that flame? You know, so a lot of what I do in the beginning with dancers is around goal setting and like getting clear on what they're working towards. Uh, but, you know, oftentimes a missing piece with goal setting is clarifying the vision behind the goals mm-hmm. and why. And, you know, so like I'm a big fan of writing down an actual vision for your future and, and why you would like to get there and, and what the what it's going to feel like to be in that situation uh, that you're aspiring towards. And then from there, you're writing your goals. So it's kind of like a backwards process. But this helps to clarify the why, you know, like, why am I doing this work every day? And so when dancers are struggling, they can come back to, okay, why do I show up for class every day? Why am I cross training or doing these other things that are supporting my dance endeavors? Why am I you know, creating healthy habits and routines around my life and food and all of that. Uh, Because I think that when we are caught up in just, you know, I just want to, I'm just going to dance professionally, or I'm just going to like move up through the ranks of the company. When that is the only thing that dancers are focused on, it's easy to feel like, you know, what is this work all for, really? Because those things are not easy to measure. And we can't necessarily see ourselves getting closer to uh, the job or the next level in the company. So I think that coming back to a deeper why behind the work is really important. Um, I want to unpick a couple things there. One, um, you talked about the why and um, knowing your motivation or, or um, knowing your reason. So I'm going to talk about that more when we get into COVID. Um, sure. But I, I will also say that you and I were going to have a conversation about goal setting because um, that mm-hmm. is so much a part of what you do in your work. And we, we might come back to that on a, at another time. But this motivation thing was just um, urgent among Mm -hmm. people I was talking to that I wanted to cut into that. But we could take a moment to go just a little further into that goal-making component if you want here. Um, Since I see your point that you can't really talk about motivation without talking about Um, goal-making. The the goal and the motivation go hand in hand. Um, Do you want to give us just sort of a, a brief bit about how you, um, more about how you do goal setting with dancers? Yeah, so, you know, so much of the work I'm doing with dancers now is 
around body goals because, well, you know, my experience with body in ballet was quite negative and I had, you know, a very negative perception of myself for the entire time I was pursuing dance, uh, both pre-professionally and professionally. And I know that so many dancers struggle with that and feel like they should be working towards something different than what they are. Mm. Unfortunately, that's just sort of like the feeling that's ingrained in us. So with setting goals around body, my big thing is that we we don't set the goals around the aesthetic body, the look of our body, but instead we're setting goals around how we feel in our bodies. Uh, and so like this actually goes against, I, I would say, what some people traditionally say with goal setting, because you can't necessarily be super specific then. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a little bit more, right, right, exactly. It's a little bit more abstract. And so, you know, I go against the whole SMART SM, you know, the, yeah, that yeah, acronym yeah. for goal setting. Um, but I have found that even just by taking dancers away from the place of you're setting a goal that's like a number on the scale and saying, we're going to set a goal that's, you know, how I want to feel and how I want to perform and, you know, what my, I would like my dance quality to be within my body. It's, it's really quite transformative. And then within that, you're able to create so many healthy and mindful things to work on that can in fact bolster, you know, these positive feelings that you want to have in your body. Um, And so then also, like I said, the vision piece is like, you know, it's like fleshing that out and making it something that does feel more specific and tangible, um, even if it is, you know, a future uh, sort of perspective on things. I think also with the whole um, specific, measurable, actionable, et cetera. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you can have a qualitative scale that is self-created, you know, I mean, you can, and I yes. think it do, the the demand that your goal be specific, you know, it can also just be about going deeper into this, like, oh, I want to feel good in my body. Okay, well, what does good mean? What exactly is that? Like, yeah. You know, so I think um, that traditionally is used in this sort of, you know, like quantifiable way, but it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be that. Um, yeah, 100%. So then... Um, once, once you have clarity in the vision and then the goals, and then going back to the motivation, um, you've already said that when the motivation wanes, just even revisiting that the vision and the specific goals or (laughs) somewhat specific goals that you've created, (laughs) um, is helpful. What other strategies or techniques do you use or, or find helpful with dancers? So around all of those things, you know, revisiting and like reading things you've written in the past, it's helpful. I think that continuing to write uh, about these things is super beneficial. I'm a huge supporter of uh, journaling and, you know, keeping your the positive things front of mind. I think that writing daily gratitude lists are helpful in motivation I think that posting reminders around these things can be really helpful for motivation. Uh, you know, you like I said, you might 
have the vision posted somewhere where you can revisit it daily uh, because it's so easy to get caught up in just like the daily grind. And I think that can be a big part for dancers as well. That sort of uh, makes them feel, you know, like, why, why am I still doing this? And especially right now where it's been a situation where it kind of feels like Groundhog's Day and like, mm -hmm. you literally, like, you know, it's like, oh God, this, I'm doing the same thing again in my living room or in my kitchen, you know? So I think that, um, there have to be things that create a little bit of different and dynamic energy around these things so that so that they don't just start to feel like, you know, what is this all for? Right, right. I mean, can that be as simple as just like changing the space that you take that virtual yeah. class in or wearing a ridiculous outfit while you do it? Or, you know, mm -hmm. like, can it be... As simple yeah. as that. Yeah, finding ways to to make it continue to feel interesting and, and different and inspired. I think that's a big yeah. thing is like, you know, there's been along with motivation, I, I think that feeling like there's not much inspiration within, you know, your living room or whatever it is has been an issue. And so I think those things really go hand in hand and yeah, you know, changing the scenery, changing the your furniture. outfit, <laughs> move the furniture. Yeah. All of those things for sure. Um, so let's talk about some strategies that dancers sometimes engage in that aren't helpful. Um, I mm. am thinking about some things when you were talking about goal setting and we're sort of skirting around some of these issues of sort of, um, perfectionism and, and mm -hmm. goals that aren't really related back to the vision and something that yeah. I see with students a lot in fact I was just talking with some about this today is this sort of like I should just I should be doing more I, I should do more and you say like why why should you do more and they're like just yeah. I, mm, because that would just I don't know being the hardest worker is obviously the most important thing you know it's and mm -hmm. so yeah those it's when the goals don't, when they're not strategically designed, it's hard to stay motivated in them. So that's one thing that comes to my mind. Um, do you want to comment on that? Or do you have any other examples yeah, of things that dancers do? Yeah, the dancer approach is to push through it. You know, and like, this is something that oftentimes teachers instill in us is like yeah sometimes it's really hard you just have to keep going and pushing and you know this is true for messaging around injuries oftentimes which is hopefully you know I say hopefully starting to shift there are so many things that I'm like yeah it's starting to shift but then I sort of question it as well um it's you know so like yeah exactly exactly yes yes that's that's the true statement okay <laughs> um yeah, but you know, like, yeah, there are still people where the message is push through the injury, push through all the pain, you know, push through. And this is like mentally challenging. And it's also like physically kind of stifling. But the the message I think that dancers tell themselves is still, I just have to keep going and pushing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think what happened also with 
the whole quarantine and COVID situation is that because of the timing of it, you know, many dancers would have had a break between, you know, the end of school sort of timing and like if they were going to either be dancing at an intensive or taking part of the summer off, like there would have been a break at some point for most dancers and many of them didn't take any breaks because they were like, well, taking class at home is not the same as taking class in the studio, so I shouldn't take a break. And then, you know, they even just were probably not having that thought that I just shared, like, oh, normally you would have had a break at this time of the year. They were just like, I don't know, I have to keep going. Uh, so I think that that is something dancers tend to do and continue to do that is not helpful for motivation. Because when you're exhausted and you've overworked yourself, even if you are dancing at home, uh, it it can lead to burnout. Yep. Yeah. And burnout is very hard to recover from. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, diversifying your movement experience or your environment, which comes with a break. You know, it's not just about going on vacation. It's about breathing different mm-hmm. air and seeing at a different site or, you know, right. all of that is so so helpful um also i wanted to ask you about staying positive um because that's another thing that i wonder about you know the other day some students that i i know were just feeling really really bummed out <laughs> you know, it was just really mm-hmm. getting to them and yeah i feel like uh i mean you and i both come from a ballet tradition so you know, that's our perspective. I don't want to speak mm-hmm. on behalf of all dance forms, but um, in the ones that I'm familiar with, there's a lot of value put on like, just stay positive and, you know, don't indulge in your negative feelings. Unlike, I always think about like actors where it's like, what's your darkest fear? What's the worst <laughs> you've ever felt? Go in there and think about it, you know? And we don't have yeah. that. We're just like told to just stay positive and work hard and and then suddenly somehow perform a range of emotions when you're on stage. Um, (laughs) And so what's the balance? Because on the other hand, I do know that um, venting is not really actually productive. Like venting can just, Mm -hmm. you know, re-excite those negative feelings. So what is the balance in terms of staying positive as it's related to motivation? Well, I'm a big fan of encouraging dancers to feel their feelings. And I think that you can be positive most of the time and, you know, choose to see the positive side of situations and experiences and things that might be going on for you. But there will still be things that make you sad or angry. And it is not helpful to deny those feelings. And so, you know, and this was my experience as a dancer, you know, and I don't know if part of it was just the stage in life, you know, late teens and 20s and, you know, things like that. But I was very much in denial of not just sadness and things like that, but just like the stress. I didn't even want to acknowledge or accept that I was feeling stressed out, like in my first years of dancing professionally. And I think that when dancers do that, it it can really lead to 
again, uh, not just a loss of motivation, but potentially the, the whole burnout place. I think that you've got to acknowledge your stress and seek support around that. And for some of them, as we mentioned earlier, it might be, you know, speaking to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a doctor, someone who's going to help through that in uh, potentially a, a deeper way. And I think that when, you know, dancers get lost in just saying, I'm going to be happy all the time, uh, they lose lose touch with who they really are. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, for dancers, especially discovering and seeing who they are as people beyond just dancers is important, not just for motivation, but also in life. Yeah, let's, let's segue into talking about um, more about our current COVID situation. I mean, you talked about how there was almost a break, you know, it was springtime and soon people would maybe have a week or two off before their summer intensive or whatever. Um, But there was a moment in this pandemic where everything kind of stopped and it seemed like dancers were going to have a chance to kind of see some other sides to themselves. You know, Mm. people were knitting and cooking and, designing and being activists and you know doing all this stuff and then and then like the online train got rolling and it just seems like you know our time is more taken up than ever with zoom and log into that and virtual meeting this um and so that's that's one thing to talk about what what are you seeing in that regard i think that it's it's completely kind of gone a little bit overboard mm-hmm. and I, I as you said it really is like you know zoom all the time and i think that dancers again still many of them are in the place where you know they're telling themselves that training at home is like so much less physically yeah, than training in the studio right and i mean yeah i get it you're not doing grand allegro and stuff but it can still be plenty rigorous. And so I think that that feeling that it's not enough does lead many of them to going way overboard and, you know, feeling like they should be taking four classes a day plus cross training and just like moving all the time. And dancers tend to have a lot of guilt around taking breaks, not just, you know, periods of time off from dance, but also just like in a day. Yeah. Taking a break, sitting. Yeah, exactly. Watching some TV, like, that feels like too much to them. So I think that, and then of course, when you go overboard, it impacts motivation in a negative way because it feel it feels nearly impossible to try to keep up what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I think that, yeah, it, it's gone. Like you said, it was kind of, there was this period of time where it did look like maybe they would get to discover parts of themselves outside of the studio that they otherwise wouldn't have. And I do think that some have and some have held on to it and have seen the benefit there. But now it has gone a little overboard in the other direction as well. And then, you know, when we were speaking earlier about goal setting and the vision, that's the other piece that I think has gotten so hard, right? Is that Mm 
mm-hmm. dancers who maybe had a clear vision of what they're in this for have lost sight of that by no fault of their own, but it's been broken. I mean, Broadway is closed for the next, right. you know, for the rest of the year. So how how do you redesign those visions and how are people coping with that um, under these circumstances? Yeah, I think that, you know, as much as I'm, I speak about staying in the moment as much as you can and things, and there's certainly plenty of stuff to stay in the moment with right now and things to learn by doing that. There, I think it's okay. And we have to give ourselves the, the leeway to say, you know, things will reopen and, and I can look forward to that happening. We've got to adjust timelines for many dancers and say, you know, if the goal was to audition and hopefully get into some entry level position in a company in 2021, maybe that's not going to happen until 2022. And that's okay too, you know, and accepting that this is just a really great learning experience in the fact that life is completely unpredictable, even without a pandemic. We think we know where we're going to go next. And we think we have, uh, we're, you know, we're setting everything in place for X, Y, and Z to happen, but you really never have control. And this is something we have to kind of work on accepting. And like I said, this is a great learning experience for everyone that nothing is really ever in your control as much as you would like it to be. Yeah. When I was speaking to some dancers recently, we were talking about, um, you know, this is sort of a crisis situation that we're in now. And so I was saying, like, this may not be the pull yourself up from your bootstraps moment. Mm. You know, this might Mm -hmm. be time to just sort of give yourself a break. But you can observe how you're coping with it because it is certainly – a lesson in stress. It's a lesson in not having control. Um, it's a lesson in, yeah, uh, forced hiatus, you know, all these things that can happen in regular life yeah. without a pandemic. And, you know, this situation can certainly shed some light on how, how we cope with these things. So using it almost as a, um, yeah, a, a year-long, 18-month intensive and mm-hmm. what are my coping strategies and how are they working and where do they need to be bolstered and where yeah. are they sufficient? Um, I also see a lot of, I'm thinking a lot about like the forced transitions that are happening from COVID. You know, that can be people's early retirements, you know, people who thought, well, maybe I have three more years in me and now it's like, well not if you're going to put the brakes on like this. Um, So there's that. Or, you know, are you seeing people who are like, you know, maybe they were very goal oriented, sort of like externally motivated to, you know, have a certain life, get a certain job. And suddenly they can't connect to that vision anymore. And they're thinking, gosh, maybe I, maybe this, maybe I should just go to med school or, you know, (laughs) are you seeing that sort of forced transition and how are people staying motivated through that? I think that, you know, many more of my clients are in either earlier stages of career or even those who are a little bit more established are still on the younger 
end. Mm -hmm. And so most of them are still in a place of, you know, pure passion around what they're trying to do. I think the biggest thing they've had to cope with is like we said, the idea that the timeline may be quite different than what they thought it was going to be. Um, but I do see dancers, like you said, certainly, you know, transitioning into things that maybe they hadn't been sooner. Actually, my assistant, she retired <laughs> from dance. <laughs> she And she was like, yeah, I don't know. I thought I would have kept going a little bit longer, but sort, sort of seems like a great time to retire. Um, so yeah, she's one that I've spoken with where she was like, you know, I'm, I'm turning 30 and this whole situation is going on. So I think it's just a fine time to move on to the next thing. And a job, an administrative job at the company where she was dancing kind of just came to be available. So she went for that and, you know, things have worked out for her in an unexpected, but I guess uh, a way that she has decided she's feeling good about, which is great. Yeah. What are some other, um, what are some other successes? What else are people doing that's working? Um, what are the strategies that seem to be successful during this strange, strange time? I think that finding connections and seeking out classes and teachers that they otherwise wouldn't have had the experience to work with has been really helpful for a lot of dancers that I'm working with, you know, where they were like, at the beginning, many of them were just sort of sticking to what they were used to, you know, just in possibly a, a remote situation. But as time has gone on, and as you said, the classes have kind of everyone's transition to the online space, more and more of them are working with, you know, diverse teachers and not just within ballet, but also trying different things and different classes, different forms of movement. And I think that all of that has been really helpful. And then connections uh, in other ways as well. One of the programs that I do, I transitioned to, a, it was really just an online course, but now there's a group coaching component. And especially for that first group of dancers who went through it back in, we started in May, it was, it was amazing to see just like how happy they were to, to connect and talk to each other about all the similar experiences. So I think more of that is something dancers would really benefit from is just finding ways to connect and not just in a dance way, but in like a, you know, talking and conversational way, because I think there's so much is a shared experience right now. Uh, the dancing from home thing is global is right. Exactly. And I think that and it's a struggle for so many. And I think that more when more dancers can get together and talk about that struggle and how they're making it feel a bit better or, you know, how they're dealing with the emotions around it has been really helpful. That's great. Um, let's let's start to wrap up. And I, I want to delve a little bit into your personal experience um, working through this pandemic has have you been surprised or learned anything about motivation that you didn't previously know because of this pandemic? I think that for me, it 
but my personal work experience has been pretty much the same <laughs> because I, uh, you know, I've worked from home for a while. And so I've kind of had to self-motivate. And then I think that with the dancers I worked with or, or that I work with, part of it has been actually positive in that some of them, some dancers who I've started working with since the pandemic started are dancers who otherwise wouldn't have seen or created time in their mm -hmm. schedules for this kind of work. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they've kind of opened up to a different kind of support and different kind of motivation that they otherwise would have really felt like they didn't have time to open up to. And so I think that that's been a positive thing for for some. Yeah, I I I can imagine that phenomenon. Um, is there anything else you want to share on this topic, um, or say about your work with dancers? You know, I think that with motivation, a lot of times we, like I said, in dance especially, the feeling is that you just have to keep pushing. And even when it's hard and even when it feels bad, like you just have to keep going. And that's sometimes what dancers think is going to motivate them and keep them moving forward. And, and it can actually have the opposite effect and it can really slow down progress and slow down uh, that those feelings of momentum that you can create towards goals. So I think that allowing dancers to, to take the space, to take a break and to give themselves time off and to give themselves lighter days, even, even when they just feel like they need a lighter day, even if it's not what they had previously planned, that can in the long run be actually much more motivating than just trying to push through it all the time. It takes so much of that momentum to push through, right? Like if you're mm. kind of, yeah, there's no, there's no coasting. And then you're kind of, then you've used up that energy just in the right. pushing, right? And sometimes you just kind of wait for the next wave a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think too, going back to looking for other, like cultivating other interests and cultivating other things that make you feel inspired and excited about life is going to only in the long run enhance what you can do in the studio and enhance what you can bring to your dancing, not just as a technician, but also as an artist. And I think that dancers should really take this as an opportunity to give themselves the time to do that. Well, thank you again so much, Jess, for taking the time to talk with us. Um, do you want to share your information? We'll put it in the show notes, but you want to let people know how they can um, learn more about you? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. My uh, website is thewholedancer.com, nice and easy to remember. And then if dancers are looking for support in reaching body goals. I do have, like I said, a group coaching program, the Dancer's Best Body Course and group coaching program, or I have one-on-one -on -one coaching options through Elite Best Body Coaching. Great. Thank you, Jess. Thank you so much. 
On behalf of Marissa and myself, I, Ellie Kushner, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Our intro soundscape was composed by the dynamic duo Brendan Berry and Dylan Ezzy, and dancer-designer Katie Dean crafted our visual image. To those of you who have made this season possible by contributing to Dancewell, we are infinitely grateful. We wouldn't be where we are without you. Your donations help pay for our SoundCloud membership, website fees and upgrades, and our recording technology. If you too would like to make a donation to Dancewell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you like what you hear, we invite you to go to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast to subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website, www.dancewellpodcast.com. And if you have any questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye!